0: the blast from our past network
1: Q, what is going on? I told you, you're dead this is the afterlife and I'm God you are not God blasphemy, you're lucky I don't cast you out or smite you or something the bottom line is your life ended about five minutes ago Under the inept ministrations of Dr. Beverly Crusher.
2: No. I am not dead. Because I refuse to believe that the afterlife is run by you. The universe is not so badly designed.
1: talking back
2: hey everybody welcome to talking back the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies comics video games and more i'm your host tim and this week we are experiencing a christmas miracle because the star trek crew is finally back together again and in studio with me this week are jay and terry guys welcome it's been too long i missed you. I cry myself to sleep every night. Oh, I thought that was the only <laughs> one. No, no. <laughs> and I have a holodeck program with just the three of us watching Star Trek.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great to be back. Thank you for having us back. Yep.
2: You're welcome. Uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, this is great. I'm so happy to to be doing this again. It's been so long. We've uh, done a, more than a handful of these, and they're just a ton of fun. And for anybody maybe tuning in for the first time here, we are... A group of Star Trek nerds, basically. We like to get together and marathon Star Trek.
0: We even celebrate
2: Trekmas. We have something called Trekmas where we exchange Star Trek gifts at Christmas and marathon more Star Trek. And yeah, we uh, decided to start doing some episodes on the podcast. So it's been a while since we've done one, but we're back. And uh, unfortunately, Dean will not be joining this week. He'll be back next week. So Dean, will miss you this time, but you're not enough of a Star Trek nerd quite yet to be a part of this. Maybe Sorry, one Dean. day. Yeah, one day. <laughs> now, we're going to be doing uh, this week an episode from Star Trek The Next Generation titled Tapestry from 1993. Now, Terry, this was your choice. Mm-hmm. So I want to know why you wanted to do this one.
0: Well, we have done a handful of other amazing Star Trek episodes, and uh, so we were thinking through our, our memories about which ones we could do, and this one jumped to my mind because A, um, any episode with Q in it whatsoever is is a good episode, and B, the the story behind this episode is, it's meaningful, so I thought it was a good choice.
2: Yeah, it is, it is a good choice, and it is meaningful. Normally, I monopolize the selection of episodes, so I thought it'd be nice to throw it to, to you guys. And I knew
0: you. I wouldn't get away with Enterprise, so I, uh, <laughs> no, I tried doing... a Next Generation one. Yeah, so. We won't
2: be doing many of those, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate your enthusiasm for that, for that series. <laughs> I'll send the uh,
0: theme song now.
2: Yeah. Um, now, this is completely random, but I, I, I love this, that this happened. This is another Christmas miracle, is that this episode, Tapestry, just happens to be, I think, the only Christmas episode of any Star Trek series. This this is a hot take on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol.
1: Yes, it absolutely is. I actually didn't clue into that um, years ago until I was watching rewatching it and I I got those vibes. I was like, "Wow, this is oddly familiar and I knew it's A Christmas Carol." It's it, It's A Christmas Carol. Yeah. And that's
2: how that's how it was written actually. Um it wasn't really released at Christmas. I think that might have been a bit too on the nose for Star Trek, but I can't think of another series that actually has a christmas episode that's just not something they do in star trek this one just happens to be a christmas episode i think that's incredible Mm -hmm. maybe q is involved in the selection forcing you somehow to select this episode terry (laughs) (laughs) Um, jay would know better than me oh jay would know oh yeah hold, hold on hold on for a second with that i just wanted to say um that the working title for this episode was a q carol Really? Yeah. Cool. Okay. But they changed it. So they they definitely wrote the writer wrote this um as a Christmas carol. So he had to take some stuff out which was too like too much like a Christmas carol. They wanted to make it a little bit more, you know, Star Trek and sci fi. But um that's what's going on here. So I think that's really funny that you just randomly selected this episode. Mm-hmm. That's, it was. that's neat. Now Um, Terry has alluded to it that this is a Q episode. Um, we love Q. He's a great character in the Star Trek universe. And Jay, you just happened to recently go to a convention here in our city and meet Q himself, John Delancey. So maybe you could just, uh, you know, let us know what that experience was like.
1: Sure. Um, very engaging, pleasant man to meet. Um, you know, I've been... Fortunate that the a lot of the next gen crew that I've met over the years, they've all been been just awesome to meet in person. They've been very happy, very you know, they'll ask you questions, and and so when I got an opportunity to to meet him, um, I of course told him uh, how much I loved his character and how him as an actor truly brought Q to life. And um, you know, he he flat out, he looked me dead in the eye and he and he said, "Thanks, man, I really appreciate that." and you know, so he's signing, signing uh, my autograph and whatnot. And I asked him uh, because I heard that he's going to be in Picard season two, and and I said, so is there more Trek in the future for you? And he he joked and he's like, well, they got to ask me, but he's he's definitely open to to doing more of the character. Um, so we'll see, I guess. But yeah, it was it was awesome meeting him. It was uh, one one of the favorites for sure.
2: Very cool. I, I do find that any Star Trek character I've, um, you know, any of the actors or actresses that I've had a chance to meet are just so nice. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't even make sense. They're just, I guess it doesn't make sense because they have to talk to so many people at these conventions. They have to kind of give each person a, a, a kind of like a moment to remember almost, right? Because every person, you're waiting in line, you only maybe have a few seconds to talk to him about something and they always seem to make you feel like comfortable and important. So, mm. and
1: and my advice to anyone who, you know, if you're a fan and you have an opportunity to meet one of these people in real life, um, you know, try to think of like with, with John, I, I use the words that, you know, you brought a lot of wonder to, to the Q character and, you know, words like that resonate with, with actors, you know, they, they want to know that, they, I think deep down they want to hear a little more than oh you're my favorite or you're so funny you know they they want to hear a little more of a deeper connection that that they've had with their audience so if you can find uh, words like that to use and and I think you'd resonate with them a lot more and and they'll interact with you a lot more.
2: Yeah, and it's don't be afraid advice. to go and approach them either. Yes, yeah. uh, it can be it can be intimidating for sure. It was intimidating for me every time I do it, but it's always such a rewarding experience to to meet these people and talk to them. So a good story. I I've, you. N- I've mm-hmm. never
0: talked to any of the actors there. Uh I guess I don't know if it's intimidation or uh I like living in the the idea of what I perceive the actor playing the role the the character and I feel I don't know if I'll spoil it by meeting the person or just right. uh, so I just kind of maybe I'm missing out on opportunities I shouldn't be missing. Well, so.
1: they they do say you should never meet your heroes, right? So maybe
0: I suppose maybe but. that's the but you guys have such good stories from it, so. But Terry's already met
2: us, so he's met his heroes. That's
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my, uh, her-
2: my heroes <laughs> like Enterprise. Terry, you strike me as a guy who doesn't watch the uh, behind-the-scenes footage of uh, of movies.
0: Not often, but I've been surprised and enjoyed a few times when when it has happened. Yeah. I watched behind-the-scenes of Goonies, the making of that,
2: and I was fascinated by what happened there. So. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of watching that stuff, uh, for the same reason that you're thinking it's I was worried it would take me out of the experience, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, I'm able to just engulf myself in with the world that is created with these, these characters. But I do have to say after meeting a few of them that it didn't affect it in any way. It, it actually, I shouldn't say that it did affect it. It amplified my appreciation for watching them in the shows. Yeah. Uh, It's it's cool. You're like, Hey, I met that person. Right. We had a good conversation. I I, you know, made that person laugh or or something like that. Or Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyways, it's uh, that's cool. Uh, Thanks, Jay, for sharing that story. My pleasure. So Tapestry, the episode we're doing, it was season six, episode 15. And I'll give a quick synopsis of the episode, which is after being attacked on an away mission, Picard dies and meets Q in the afterlife, who offers him the chance to change a crucial moment in history and prevent the mistake he made in his youth. Now, this episode was directed by Les Landau, and he's one of the more prolific Star Trek directors. He has directed 45 episodes across Next Gen, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise, and he actually directed a favorite, an all-time favorite of mine, Drone, from Voyager, Mm. which was the one where the Doctor's mobile emitter um, got like Borg technology infused in it in a transporter- malfunction or something and then this the mobile emitter like turned into a drone like a super powerful drone yeah it became self-aware i think it became like a drone like a super powerful borg drone right right yeah but it was like a baby and it seven had to like teach it and try to
0: oh, I remember make that. it not
2: yeah. not be borg like she was trying to teach it to be an mm-hmm. individual instead of part of the collective and then it was a great episode anyways we will for surely be doing that one i've just been saving it because it's so good Sounds like this director does a lot of what-if episodes. Maybe. Kind eh? of
0: explores, the, the, you know. Do you think the directors have a choice, like a very specific choice? Or yeah. they have, here's 22 season episodes a season. We need guys to do it here. You're getting this one. You're yeah, this I think one.
2: it's more like you're getting this. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah because the Les Lando, um, this was his first Q episode, actually. And he was uh, quite interested in being able to dig into that character. So. It was written by Ronald D. Moore. Now I recognize that guy's name. He's done some stuff as well. He's credited with 59 episodes across Next Gen, DS9, and Voyager. So, if they're me- as good as this one, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, worthwhile. I do like that about um, Star Trek. And w- when I was like heavy into Voyager, I would look to see who was writing the story and how many people were writing it. Because if you had a- an episode where there's just one writer and I didn't recognize the name, it might be a little bit of a weaker episode, but then there's these episodes written by like maybe four or five people, and you recognize all their names, and you just know you're in for a real treat. And that would like tip me off sometimes that I was in store for a really great episode, and i just kind of like sit back and, you know, smile really early on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, with this episode, um, one of the things that's really interesting for me is that at this point in next generation q has made six appearances but up to this point they they were all like self-fulfilling for him and this is the first episode where i feel like he's doing something nice for somebody else which is a change for his character and is more of the direction that they decide to take his character Uh, and I, I'm, I mean, I know that we love kind of like the, the fun, you know, um, I don't want to say goofy, but like the fun, the fun loving kind of like adorable cue, rather Mm. than the cue that has happened before this, who's kind of like a treacherous character. The
0: whimsical cue is way better than the tyrant.
2: Yeah. And I think this is the point where they just started to shift that in his character. And I think they did a great job like changing him at this point and moving him in a different direction.
0: I like uh Far Point, you no know, the mission of Far Point is the first two episodes of, of Next Gen. And he's a tyrant in, in that those episodes. And I don't know uh what they thought of after those two episodes when they shifted directions because he's not as whimsical as he is later in the series, but he's definitely much less uh stern and strict and uh um uh, Wrath of God, kind of like on uh, on the episodes after Farpoint, and I'm glad they went that direction because his character is way more interesting. Not uh, not that stern, strict guy. Well, and his character
1: continues to evolve, um, not just through Next Gen, like you pointed out, Tim, through this episode, but into Voyager. Mm-hmm. Like they they continuously evolve and grow his character, which is really cool um, that they were able to do that. So,
2: yeah, and it's a hard character to evolve because you're jumping probably anywhere from, I don't know, 15 to 20, maybe 25 episodes in between seeing him, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's not, he's a regular, but he's not part of any of the crews. He's just this reoccurring character that pops up, but yet they're able to give him these characteristics and evolve him as a character throughout um, not just enterprise, but Voyager as well. So I th- just think they did a really good job of handling his character.
0: I agree. Uh, yeah.
2: And and making him one of, I would say, a f- he's a fan favorite. I think yeah. yes. if you ask anybody, he's probably one of the more popular Star Trek characters of all.
0: He might be my favorite of all, all the shows because of what he represents, but also because of his whimsical nature and... Uh, um, he's just that intriguing to me.
1: Well, he he's essentially a God trying to understand humanity. I yeah. mean, that in itself, you could write a whole series behind that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I like, uh, I like that every time he pops on the screen, he's not going to say something that you're going to expect. You know, like it, he, he makes, he, he just comes out out of the blue with oddball things to say. And, uh, um, when you get to know his character, they make complete sense for him, but it's, it's, he just plays, you know, he plays with humanity, plays with whoever he is with, and it makes for a very interesting, uh, interesting dialogue.
2: Yeah. And I, I would say that that's a testament to both the writing and his prowess as an actor. Oh yeah. John Delancey's fantastic. A, yeah. Dig into this character. So, okay, let's get into the story here. So we start off in medical Bay with Dr. Beverly Crusher. Settle down, Terry. Uh, we see Commander Riker, Lieutenant Settle down, Jay. <laughs> settle, down, <Hey. laughs> settle down, everyone. <laughs> Lieutenant Worf and Captain Picard. <laughs> oh no! Uh, they get beamed into. They get beamed into uh, to the medical bay, mm-hmm. and Picard is in real trouble here because. He's been shot through the heart with the terry on beam. <laughs> Tim's been Sorry. waiting for a week to see that. I to do that. So I've been waiting all day to do that. And there was a point where I didn't actually know if I'd go through with it, but I did. I'm glad you did. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. Crusher tries everything she can to save him, but she's losing him. When all of a sudden Picard seems to be heading towards the light, he finds himself in a white room and sees an angelic figure with open arms. It reaches out, grabs his hand, walks into view, and it's none other than Q. And Q says, Welcome to the afterlife, Jean-Luc. You're dead.
1: <laughs> his delivery of you're dead was just it's perfect. Yeah. yeah, it was perfect.
2: You're dead. <laughs> yeah, it was more like that. You're dead. He's spiteful. Yeah. Uh, so that's a pretty fun opening, I thought, for, uh, for a Star Trek show.
1: Yeah, it was a great hook, um, just seeing Beverly kind of, you know, put her jacket on and knowing something was coming to that medical bay, and and that's really cool, like, that's one thing that Star Trek does well, every now and then you get these episodes that just right in the first, you know, 10
0: seconds, they just hook you with something extreme, and and uh, yeah, a great way to start it. <clears throat> I, I think that that episode's a little more complicated than at first blush, because you look at it, and everybody... Or not everybody, but so many stories you hear. Hey, uh, uh, somebody dies for a few minutes, and they see the bright light, and they go towards it, etc. So Q is playing up on that, and then Jean Luc gets into the bright white light, and uh, there's a glowing white figure that could be an angel, could be God, could be whatever, and then it's Q, and uh, he plays on that as well. And then uh, uh, again, he could have done that in any other way, but he's got to he's got to kind of poke uh, poke the human psyche on that one, so. I thought it was interesting.
2: Yeah, Q is forever poking. He's forever poking (laughs) the... uh, The the Jean-Luc. members (laughs) of the crew, yeah. So Q tells Picard his life recently ended and that Q is God. (laughs) And Picard, never buying what Q is selling, says, I refuse to believe that the afterlife is run by you. (laughs) (laughs) The universe is not so badly designed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So perfect. Um, But Picard here, he starts hearing voices and Q tells him those are the voices of all the people Picard let down throughout his life. I thought that was a bit harsh.
0: He's going back to his uh, Farpoint Station kind of uh, uh, condemnation that yeah. uh, he threw on humanity.
2: Um, I do like the idea here, uh, and this is how I felt watching it was that you don't actually know whether or not Picard is dead or if this is just a construct from Q. Because with Q, he would have the power to bring Jean-Luc back from the dead. So it is kind of, for me, a little bit open-ended. What is actually going on here? What do you guys think? Do you think it was just all a construct or do you think he could possibly have been dead? <sighs>
1: That's a that's a good question. Um, I think it. I'd like to believe because it's Q, maybe it was some sort of construct. Because when we left Picard on that table, they were trying to what resuscitate him. They were they were trying to keep him alive. I don't know if he ever flatlined or if he ever coded or anything like that.
2: They you, were having trouble, like bringing him back, and then we see him go to the white light. Yeah, so it's like what that normally signifies is that somebody has passed to another side, but oftentimes they are able to come back. I don't know.
1: I mean, you could also argue that, I mean, Q would have the ability to freeze time.
2: I think he can do anything. he wants. So
1: it's possible that maybe just time just stopped at that moment. Q. And so Q could do his construct and do his thing, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just one of those questions that
0: as an audience, we'll never really know, I guess. Well, I think that when he first get you know, Jean-Luc first gets onto that table they said his heart stopped as of uh, like 30 seconds or a minute or whatever earlier so it all depends on what you believe is the actual instant of death. If your heart stops and that's the moment you're dead, then, uh, and also depends on what you believe about, uh, the, the spirit and changing into the afterlife. So I like, I like to believe that we're in between the two. He's not alive, but he's not dead. He's, he's in that, that shift between the two. And that's where Q plucked him out of and kind of maybe froze time, like you said. Yeah. Um, but in either in any of the three instances, it doesn't really matter whether he's still alive, and Q just kind of plucked him out and did that, whether he's dead and he stopped it there or in between, uh, because Q's so powerful that they're all believable. so:
2: Jay, I like your idea because I hadn't considered that, but Q is powerful enough just to like freeze time and then go on with his plan with what he's doing here, and then it, it could take like a second, and then he could put everything back to normal if he wanted, so I, I like that. It's a good call. Now, Q's questioning Picard about his regrets. Then we see a reenactment of when Picard was young and stabbed through the back, which is the reason he just died, because the Terion beam fused the bio regulators in his artificial heart. Now, I had no idea rewatching it that Picard had an artificial heart. Do you guys remember anything about that? No, there's I... apparently a couple episodes. Where they mentioned this
0: did they before this yeah, episode there were a couple okay. episodes
2: and then apparently in one episode you actually kind of saw it happening but
0: i don't remember i thought that it was made up for this episode so uh
2: no they touched on it a little bit
0: yeah i don't recall ever remembering either um but good writing then because i like when they take elements from past episodes sometimes innocuous sometimes barely meaningful In this case, probably more so, but uh, and bring them to life in another episode saying, oh, I didn't see them using that. You know, yeah, those are good episodes.
2: Right. And what's with this Terry on beam that you made, Terry? (laughs) (laughs) Shot to the heart. (laughs) Um, Picard says he regrets a great many things from his past. Then we flashback with Q and Picard to the time when Picard is a brash young 21 year old, fresh out of the academy punk. Yeah, <laughs> I, you could call him. I,
1: I, I could definitely see them. Uh, they were trying to take, um, I don't know, take some pieces of Kirk, I think, and apply it to, to young Picard. Yeah. You know, like a playboy mm-hmm. kind of.
2: Yeah. but It seemed like that. Yeah. Uh, Q wants Picard to relive this time and see what could have happened if he wasn't so reckless. So at this point, we as the viewer, we're seeing Picard as Picard, as the old Picard. But everyone else in this timeline is seeing him as they knew him.
0: Mm-hmm. The 21-year-old.
2: Yeah. So we're kind of, we we do get to watch like him reliving this, but with kind of Q as his guide and Picard as the old man.
0: It makes for a better episode having um, uh, the older version of Picard. Uh, play play Picard because if you had the twenty-one year old version playing the twenty-one year old version, I don't think we would have felt the connection because we never had six. You wouldn't seasons recognize of it. him, yeah, yeah. It it wouldn't be the same
2: unless he was bald already. It wouldn't have worked.
0: Even still, the nuances, the 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 facial exp- like every actor brings their own feel to the character, right? And when you change the actors, you change that feel unless you really get lucky and find somebody that's very similar. So. Um it's it just doesn't work, so that was a good choice on the, the director. So
2: yeah, keeping him old does make for some really uncomfortable moments though that we'll get to shortly. Yeah. I will say that much. Um I know which ones you're talking about. Yeah, I know you do because it was fucking weird, dude. It <laughs> was weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> Anyways, hold on. Uh I got a question for you guys though. So Picard here, he doesn't agree to this scenario with Q. Because he doesn't want the timeline to possibly be altered. He's, he makes that very clear. He's like, I'm not doing this. This Too many things could go wrong. And uh, Q had a funny line. He's like, oh, nothing will go wrong. You're not that important. You didn't have that <laughs> much of an effect in history. Like, don't flatter yourself. Yeah, don't yeah, worry. Yeah. But Q does agree that he won't let the timeline be altered. Yeah. So I want to know if you guys think in that moment Q is being truthful about that or not. Do you think he would actually be like, okay, you know what? I agree. I'll make a deal with you. I won't alter the timeline. Or do you think he was just like, I'm going to tell this guy what he wants and then I'm going to do what I want?
0: I find Q mostly doesn't outrightly lie. As far as I can tell, he never technically lies he actually keeps his word in a, in a roundabout sort of way but he'll often play word games when he does say something so he, he'll twist it just so that it'll leave an opening like that but in this case I actually believe that a he believes jean Luke's not that important so no matter what he does in the next 20 years it, it won't really matter that much anyway and b that Q wouldn't let it happen because Q lives vicariously through Picard in this episode, as he does in many episodes through the show. And this is something he wanted to see for his own benefit, I believe. hey, Picard, I guess Q could do anything he wants. He's bored, right? So but if Picard does it, then it's not boring because he he's not in direct control. so okay i'll I'll give in on this because I just want to see how this experiment works out. and I think he is actually telling the truth if I were to guess
1: i would agree i think uh, based on two points your point earlier tim that you know this is a stage in q's character where he's there's a shift right he's um and and i think there is truth to him to that um in terms of like cinematography and filmmaking you know a, a lot of the interactions with q um, perspectives are different from the eyes of the viewer, from the eyes of the character, whether Q is on a different level or he's below or he's, he's usually all over the place. But in this scene, um, Q actually gets up off of his seat that he was sitting on, wherever on a couch. And he goes right to Picard, his eye level. And he tells him eye to eye, like I'll be, you know, you have my word. So I think visually, like, yeah, I think, I think the writers are trying to signify that. Yeah, this is truthful Q. That was a oh. good
0: good uh, observation. I didn't think of it that way.
2: Yeah, I didn't notice that either. Um, I do like your point, Terry, about the wordplay, because that's true, is that he'll often try to entangle you in wordplay and then come back later and say like, oh, that's not exactly what I said. Um, but yeah, in, in this case, yeah, he does He does just say like, yes, I I promise or I agree not to change the timeline, in which case he kind of, he's not a liar. You're right. So it's two days away from when Picard gets stabbed through the heart. And Q says, if Picard makes the appropriate changes and can avoid getting stabbed through the heart, that Q will take him back to his time, save his life and give him a new heart. If he fails, he can live with Q forever and eternity. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting here. If we're talking about Q being truthful, then what he's basically alluding to here is that Picard is dead because he's saying, if you can kind of change your history here, I'll take you back and save your life. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like maybe he was going <clears> to <throat> die. I don't know. Well, we we all know he was
0: going to die. Um, it's such a gray area there between life and death that we don't understand as humans anyway, that uh, he was he was destined to die. Um, uh on the, the table the way it is, So, yeah, uh, I just found it funny that he, he he offers Picard. If you don't change it, uh, you're going to st- st- stay all eternity with me here. That, like, that's worse. That's <laughs> the, like it's, it's the Picard's worst hell health. you could imagine. It's, it's Picard's hell.
2: So. Yeah, it's everyone's hell.
0: Well, Q would be a fun uh, fun person to get stuck with, and he could just make whatever and play games. I think it'd be cool for it.
2: a while, and then it would get really irritating. Yeah. Because <laughs> the cues themselves get irritated yeah. just with, like, being alive for so long and yeah they get bored they They literally literally do everything that's possible to do yeah and then they get bored
0: and that's why they involve like that's why q involves picard in so many things and uh i know later on uh uh, he says more to picard that uh that will inspire me to say other things but mostly he he chooses picard over everybody else and uh uh, he
2: likes the captains yeah he mm -hmm. he respects authority in that way yeah
0: yeah and picard is is I think it's because Picard is the first one that we're aware of that really stands up to Q and just doesn't have any tolerance for him. You know, like he just, he's not like, okay Q, yeah, yeah, I understand. Like, uh, I'll do whatever you want. No, he's, he's like right off the bat, I refuse to believe in a universe so cruel that uh, would uh, have you in the afterlife. Yeah, like he, a,
1: he doesn't fear him. Picard no. doesn't fear Q, he just tolerates him.
2: Yeah, he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't even tolerate him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he barely barely <laughs> does that. So we learn of the events that were the catalyst for this stabbing, and those were that some Nausikins cheat Picard's friend Corey at a game of Domjot, and Corey wants to get revenge. Um, in an attempt to change his regrets, Picard refuses to help Corey out here, which in the past he agreed to help him. Now he's not agreeing to help him. Now that uh, Picard's acting more mature here, his lady friend Marta is quite interested in him, and they get it on. And this is what I was talking about before. This is super uncomfortable. I was super uncomfortable in the scene because I felt really bad for this actress because she was seventeen years old. Was she seventeen? And what? she's making out. I was under out... the impression she was twenty-one. No, she's seventeen, making out with a fifty-three-year-old Patrick Stewart here. <laughs> Terry's mic just fell over. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little discombobulated a by the nice I had no idea nice she prank was by I didn't know she was 17. I thought she
0: was 21. And it was still kind of well, weird still, and creepy. Still, it even was. if she was 21... I keep thinking outside of the 17 year old when she, when I thought she was 21, I kept thinking, well, he was the world's sexiest man for like two years running by People magazine. So, uh, yeah, but probably not
2: voted on by 17 year olds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't know she was 17. That's, that's a a
0: 17 year old to play a 20 because Picard and her and the other guy were all the same age group, but Picard was 21. Why would they choose a 17 year old to play that role? Yeah, I know, right? They should have chosen an adult, technically
2: an adult to to play it. I understand. That's why it's so disturbing to me. It is, now Mm. that I know she's 17. (laughs) You know what um, a 17-year-old kissing a 53-year-old is? It's like someone kissing their grandpa. True, yeah. But she had to make out with him. Yeah. I was uncomfortable. I don't know. This sounds like new, it looks like it's news to you guys. It I didn't know the seventeen. <laughs> like, when she was <laughs> guys, twenty, when she twenty-one, she was likewise. an adult that made a choice to.
0: In my mind, she was an adult that made a choice. Okay, this is a good job. Like it's a good. Even when I when I was when watching
2: they, it though, I was like, she that that actress is too young to be kissing. Oh yeah, piss, uh, kissing uh, Stuart. Well,
1: they could have easily like at that scene, the camera could have shifted to a mirror behind them and then you know yeah you sure. can see a younger patrick stewart making out with
2: her oh that would have mm-hmm. been a great idea because, okay. that because good that's idea. what she sees yeah yeah that would have been that great been, that that been, that's, been that's the, there it is what yeah, a great but idea
1: it's almost like someone just made the call like no we're not going to do that i yeah, guess yeah. You, Which, guess who
2: made the call patrick, patrick stewart yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> he's probably gonna listen to this and uh, yeah we need this to be and we're authentic ask for an autograph <laughs> next time and yeah uh, anyways wow what a weird moment in the show. But um the next thing we see after them making out is that uh, we see Picard wake up in bed and a finger <laughs> starts stroking his ear then we see that it's not the girl but it's Q lying beside him <laughs> literally my so f- g-
0: <laughs> literally my favorite part of the whole sh- the whole show yeah. was that that oh, part
1: there yeah that was so great Picard like lifts the blanket up over his chest <laughs> like just <laughs> all bashful that's, Q that's, always shows up
2: Q. in like the most Inappropriate places in yeah. these episodes, and it's, it's a lot of fun. That was brilliant. Yeah, it was good. Good writing. So back at the this bar, Marta is now very upset because she feels like her and Picard's um, friendship has been ruined because they slept together. And I like so far that Picard's urge to change his regrets has already started to have like a negative impact in his timeline here, because he's now sort of lost like two of his close friends, right? He didn't back one of his friends up and his friends mad at him. Uh, and now he slept with another one that he didn't, or he wasn't supposed to do that with. And now she's feeling uncomfortable and um, feels like their friendship's ruined. So it's already like, this is already taking a negative turn for him, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting.
0: I found this particular element, his, his relationship with Marta, and the whole episode, which I won't delve into until we get further in, but I found them- Terry,
2: that's so unlike you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I know. I'm really trying normally, this time. Yeah. Thank <laughs> I, you. I
0: normally just blurt it yeah. out. Yeah, I want to talk about the ending. Yeah. <laughs> but I found that, and I'll describe it later, but they're at odds with each other in a particular way. And uh, um, I'm still a little bit confused on that, and I'll wait to hear your guys' feedback on that when we get there.
2: Okay. So uh, make sure to stop me then if I, for okay. some reason, gloss over that. So Picard sits down for one last visit with Corey and Marta before they're all shipped out on assignment. When the Nausikens come back in, and in their words, they want human to play Domjot, human coward, have no Gromja. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How, how's your
2: Gromja level, Terry? <laughs> Where are you sitting on the Gromja <laughs> scale? <laughs>
0: uh, High or low or... Kind of medium, I medium, suppose. Medium Medium Gromja. <laughs> I have to say the Nosikans
2: are ugly bastards too. So. Oh yeah, they sure are. They're tall, 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 They're tall, tall. They're ugly intimidating. Bastards. Now Corey here, he tries to hit the Nosikan, but Picard steps in and throws him over a table. <laughs> yeah. This was like ultra aggressive. If I was Corey, I would have been super embarrassed at this, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. like uh, and making up excuses for why I got thrown so far by uh, Picard, but man, he just gets tossed over a table. He would have got his ass kicked by the Nausicans
0: if Picard did that like with one hand. So. Yeah, right. yeah.
2: Now, that, what Picard just did there, that was apparently the moment needed to change history because Q immediately shows up and tells Picard that he did it. And we flash to the bridge of the Enterprise with Worf, Data, and Picard, but Picard is only a junior grade lieutenant. So that's not,
0: that's not right. I do love the way they did the flash though. Like they didn't waste our time as an audience getting to whatever they're showing. They just instantly, hey, can I help you? Whatever, right? Yep. Worf says, can I help you? Lieutenant or whatever it is. So yes. yeah, I, I really like the way they flashed without wasting time and made made you wonder what it was like between then and now. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And seeing Picard
1: in that blue uniform just looked wrong. It was just like it was just a the script was flipped. It was like, whoa, where are we now?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Picard goes to sickbay because he wants to kind of see what's if maybe there's something wrong with him. What's going on here? Uh, He wants to find Crusher, but he finds Q instead. And I love, (laughs) I, I love that Q is regularly throughout Star Trek dressing up in all sorts of weird costumes. <laughs> and when you least expect it, he's in some sort of a costume and here he is dressed up like a doctor <laughs> Uh, From like the 1800s. In Sigma, yeah. He's got like that, whatever that metal circle on their yeah. head is. I don't even know what that thing is. I does. think it's a reflective device to, to put
0: light on the patient. <laughs> okay. It reflects off that, that circle. and uh, He looks so great though. I know. Just gr- he's got the greatest sense of humor because like anything else he could have dressed in, but no, he dresses in that.
2: I think he was lying down on a bed too. He wasn't like standing <laughs> up or anything. He's I, That's great. Uh, Q tells him he did it. He says he changed the moment of his life he had regret for, and this is where he ends up, and he's nowhere close to being the captain of a starship. So Picard goes to see Riker and Deanna Troy, and he wants to know if there's any chance of him getting a command role on this ship, and they're like, uh, uh, (laughs) no, (laughs) no, no.
0: I like uh, I like that. Really. Be, you don't just find out the Picard's a lieutenant is like
2: lieutenant lieutenant junior class. It's <laughs> so like junior lieutenant. I've I even
0: heard that term yeah. before as a lieutenant. <laughs> right? Yeah.
2: Junior so, class, and uh, it sounds like he was lucky to even make that. Yeah. As well, uh, they just think that he doesn't have enough initiative. That's his problem. That doesn't sound like that's a Picard? far stretch mm-hmm. for his regular regular personality. Yep. Yeah. I I really enjoyed that scene where he's talking to them Mm -hmm. and they were so polite to him. Riker and Troy were just like, you know you're such a good you know addition to the starship nice and yeah. Like, yeah, you, yeah you're such a hard worker and he's just kind of like yeah but could i go any further <laughs> well you know it's like you do so many things really good <laughs> and he's like do you think i could be more than this <laughs> well you know we'd have to talk to some people and then you kind of like, suck picard <laughs> yeah could i be in a command role and they're like uh, I think Riker says
1: we'll see with a huge yeah. smile on his face. Maybe yeah.
2: fingers crossed. not they say something
0: like just be happy with what you got kind of uh kind of deal?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember exactly, but they basically said like no. Politely <laughs> There's no. no command in your yeah. future. So that really upset Picard. I you would know. say if Picard Hadn't been the
0: 53-year-old he was at that moment and they had only fast-forwarded him to 30 years old or something like that, he might have been able to live with that because he'd still have time to make himself... The Picard that he is, you know, like to be the captain. Like right. he might not be the captain of the Enterprise, but he'd still have time to prove himself and be the real Picard that he was. Well, that's but a good point. They they fast forwarded him to fifty three, where um, if if their lifespan's the same as ours in the future, they're seventy five to a hundred years old. Yeah. He doesn't. He's halfway
2: through everything. So, uh. hmm. Because as I was watching that, I was still in the mindset that we're seeing him as the old Picard, but he's a younger Picard. But that's not the case at this point in the timeline. At this point, he is the 53-year-old. Yeah. Well, 53-year-old was Patrick Stewart. I don't know how old Picard is. Well, we'll just, just presume time, he's but, the same age. Sure, but, uh, that works for me. But yeah, he's like, this is where he would be at this age. Yeah. So that's a really good point that he's probably too old to really progress much further. Yeah.
0: Well, he, he might be able to progress, but he's just going to run out of energy and youth to do so. Like uh, um, over time, people just start, wearing down you know so mm. it's uh well yeah
1: i mean at 53 a junior u- lieutenant i mean yeah they That's they emphasize to emphasize junior yeah, yeah. Cle- clearly you made a wrong career choice or something <laughs> went wrong along the way
2: yeah <laughs> uh so picard gets in a turbo lift and that turbo lift takes him back to the angel q in the white room and picard basically just tells q he hates the person he would have become Q explains how the near-death experience gave Picard a great lesson in life, how to not be complacent, and how to take action, and Picard begs for Q to put him back in his old life. So we flash back to the bar, again, like Terry, you said, no nonsense here, we just immediately flash back to the bar and the Nausicaans, and Picard just right away starts fighting them, just immediately starts fighting and as once happened before, Picard takes a knife through his back and he starts laughing. Then we see him laughing in med bay with Crusher, Riker, and Worf. And Crusher has stabilized him and Picard continues to laugh. And
0: Oh, go ahead, Terry. I wanted to add that Picard's friends were shitty fighters. <laughs> they, well, they, they, both got beat up. they both got pushed beat over up that table almost immediately, mm-hmm. and then uh, Picard had to fight all three of them. Yeah. He wouldn't have been in that position if they could actually fight.
2: Yeah, I wasn't surprised that his friends didn't do so well. Yeah, I'm surprised he did so well, actually. actually Those Gnosticans are yeah. pretty big, big bastards, intimidating but, uh, characters, yeah. Yeah, but I guess you know he lost he got stabbed through the heart
0: yeah well you know it's a little bit of overkill you get in a bar fight with fists fists and and kicks and then a guy comes up and knifes you in the back yeah so uh thegnosiconss can uh, uh open they the card fight blows dirty. them up later they
2: fight dirty dirty fighters they cheated before they cheated at that dom jot yep. game yeah who cheats did. at Dom jot? Terry, who cheats at Dom Jot? Do you? I do don't. Yeah, I don't even know what Dom Jot is. It's like oh, a it weird-ass like, pool. It like Snooker or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like the
0: weird-ass pool game. They play it in, I think, um, Deep Space Nine a lot, like, because uh, oh, Quark, yeah. Quark's Bar, I think yeah. it's because it's, they talk about Dom
2: Jot a lot in that. I think it's Dom Jot. I always thought Dom Jot was like a card or like a domino type game. Yeah, I thought so too when I was no, watching
0: Deep Space Nine, but then when I watch this episode, it's obviously a Snooker game, so I... Uh, I can't uh, can't comment on that.
2: Quark's bar—that's got to be the best bar in Star Trek. Oh
0: man, yeah, yeah, for I sure. agree.
2: Voyager didn't even have a bar.
0: No, they had a. Hmm. There's the the uh, band, just the nothing
2: the, the dining area.
0: Yeah, the yeah the
1: mess hall. The mess hall. Neelix's nook. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: know. Yeah. I think Voyager would add a bar. Every place needs a bar. <clears throat> yeah, they're too busy trying to get. I grew home. up in a town of 700 Two people. Drink. There's three bars. <laughs> yeah. I love Quark's Quark's Bar. That's probably the best part of DS9, Quark's Bar. Yeah, Quark is the best part of DS9. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So we close here with Picard and Riker in uh, their boardroom. And Picard doesn't know if the events were real or something Q had contrived. And that there's parts of his past he's not happy with. But as he pulled a few threads, it unraveled the tapestry of his life which was very poetic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it ties, the end of the episode. the title to it. It does, which they don't often do. No. But they did in this one right at the end, and I thought it really worked. Yeah. Tapestry is a bit of a vague, vague title for the episode.
0: And if you look back at the episode and the title together, if they had not said this, you could kind of piece that together but uh the fact that they they tied tied it in was a nice
1: well and nice and twist. it was really nice the way um the final scene ended with Picard talking to Riker about his experience and in a way it it forced Picard to maybe open up a little more about his past about his youth because mm-hmm. the final words in the episode was Picard telling Riker a story about something that had happened to him when he was younger mm-hmm. but you never hear the what that story is. He just starts. Yeah. And then mm. the credits roll. It was, and it's just it was, a really nice way to, yeah. to to part ways in that episode. Oh.
2: It, it, was, it. was like this really uh, comforting ending after kind of this wild episode yeah. where you don't know if, well, I mean, you do know Punkard's going to live, but you don't know at the time if he's going to live or die or what's going on. It yeah. was uh it was a nice it was a nice wrap up to it. And I did like that they used the whole tapestry comment to kind of tie yeah. it together, but um I just thought it was a really great like storyline about not having regrets and that like the decisions you've made up to this point are what got you to this point. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's very easy for everybody to say, you know, look back and say, I wish I'd done that differently. Or I wish, you know, the common, common trope is like, Oh, I wish I could go back then with the knowledge I have now. Right. But, the thing that got you to this point was not having that knowledge and the decisions you made got you where you are now and have made you who you are. So I think that's the story they're trying to Mm -hmm. tell here. And I think they did a great job doing it. I think, And it's a Christmas carol. I think the other half of the message, the one that
0: even resonates more than that to me, is Picard's realization that the chances he took were they were part of him but were very very important he he stepped up and took chances all through his life and he did because uh riker or no his Q that says hey there you didn't do this or this or this like you did before uh you weren't there for those those where you saved uh the ship you took over as captain acting captain and all that and so picard realizes at that point all those chances and everything he did that was his real being was very very important and I found that inspiring you know like um that that common saying uh, the the regrets you have the most are the ones uh, the chances you didn't take or uh, mm. uh things you didn't do and um uh I found that inspiring to see the difference between the chances he took and the chances he didn't um for me that was what the message really spoke to me with yeah he I mean let's not forget
1: like Q Q has said on a f- couple occasions uh first episode last episode the The trial never ends. Humanity is constantly on trial. And uh, Picard is the representative of humanity in the eyes of Q. So Q is always looking for those uh, opportunities to push humanity to see how far they'll go. Will they take those risks? And this is, I think, just a part of the test, right? Like um, the fact that when presented with the option, Picard... He, you know, he did. He didn't like it. He would rather have taken the risk. He would rather risk ending his own life, uh, for the greater good. And uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I do have another observation mm-hmm. that I actually—it just came to me as we were talking about all this. Um, the very beginning of the episode when Q show like they're in the white room and Q shows Picard, his past self, getting stabbed in the back. Did you notice that? when he got stabbed in the back, he's laughing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in the final episode, when he gets stabbed again, he's laughing. Mm-hmm. So to me, in my mind, I'm thinking, if this is a memory that Q is showing Picard of him getting stabbed in the back and he's laughing, is, is and then we see later on, he, he's laughing again, is there a time, like, is this really, like, did Q influence hmm. these events in Picard's life like in real time? Because... Picard could be laughing because we know that he's he he took the risk. He helped his friends. You know, he, maybe in the back of his mind, he's he's confident he made the right decision this time. So he's laughing. But if that happened to him in the past, you what know, my my confusing things. Do you what guys see where I'm going about with about it? Yeah, what you're yeah. Saying, yeah, yeah. Like, why would he be <clears throat> laughing as a as a young? young buck when that happens to you
0: i put some thought into why he would be laughing uh okay so you got a cocky young man that's been cocky his whole uh, teenage adult life whatever up until that point and so he gets in a fight with three guys that each are almost double a size mm-hmm. and his two useless companions get beat up so he's uh, he's fighting them alone anyway he gets in this fight and he's winning the fight by all means until the guy sneaks up and stabs him right right and I think he's laughing as almost like a mockery to the other guys, almost like a, I can't believe that just happened. You know, like a, uh, just a, sure. a, like he feels almost the surprise it was almost funny to him. And I think that's the original reason why he was laughing, if I were to guess. And the reason why he's laughing as Jean Luc Picard, the older one, is uh, because he's fixed what he's what he broke, you know, like, right. and, and now he's content with it, and maybe he remembered what it was like when he laughed the first time, and it re-triggered that emotion?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that, sure. I, I just think it's a it's a funny thing to write into the episode, to have happen. Yeah. To have it repeat at the at the beginning and, and at the end.
0: It was a nice way to tie it together. And,
1: and yeah, and, and to me, it could very well, Q definitely could have taken him back in time. He definitely could have manipulated events in some way. True. Um, to show the story that we saw. But yeah, I, I mean, that's something that just came to me. I think um,
0: if if I could guess what the writers were thinking when they wrote that, um, the laugh at the beginning of that death, the, the first one when he's young, ties, the, ep- ties the, the event. Rather than him just stab, gurgle, gurgle, die, he laughs. It makes it more, uh, uh, more remarkable, makes it more interesting and intriguing, right? So if, if that's, that might've been what they're thinking, that would be really cool to add that interest. But the, the, the flip side of it all is when he gets to be the older Picard and happens again, it was a great way to, to tie the circle together. You know, like you, you started at the beginning and now you ended at the beginning there. Uh, and, uh, and a very real moment, you know, like a real finish line rather than just a vague sense of, okay, mm-hmm. that he yep. just kind of gurgled into death. So, um, it was very well done.
2: Yeah. My take was same as you, Terry, that um, I thought he was just laughing in the face of death as the youngster. Um, That was just his personality. Like it was kind of like a big joke to him. Um, One other thing I noticed, though, was that Picard, when he got stabbed in the flashback, he was wearing a red shirt. He was a red shirt guy. What was he wearing in the, in the the older Picard version? That's what I mean. The older Picard who gets stabbed as the youngster yeah. is like red shirt. He's like the red shirt. He
0: wasn't wearing the jacket with
2: the little button-up thingy, the flap? Maybe, but it was the red. He was like the red but shirt. But that's what the he red was wearing. red shirts always die. Oh, <laughs> oh that's what you yeah. mean. So yeah, he's like, is. as a red shirt, he gets stabbed <laughs> through the back and True. starts laughing and then falls. I just thought it was funny. Like he's, Of course, he's in a red shirt. Yeah. And he just got stabbed yeah. dead. I liked what you said there
0: um, just a few moments ago that you'll never know what Q might have done, because it reminds me of the episode from Voyager that we did previously, the one where um, the other Q wants to commit suicide, and Riker's actually in that one, and the other Q is, he's the one, he shows him all these instances where he was in the the history doing these little things, and uh, uh, in Riker's case, I think he, I don't know, he saved his grandpa or something like that, I can't remember what it was, but he had to, he kind of showed everybody that he was there all through these different historical times and nobody knew until he brought it to their attention. So right. that when, when you mentioned that, that's the first thing that I thought the other Q was doing it anyway. So
2: yeah, it was a nice touch. Yeah. And Q made a point of saying like Picard had all these regrets right from his past. And then the whole episode, it was all based around this one regret that he got, Stabbed through the heart, I guess, and that he had this artificial heart. I guess that was the idea behind that. Like he was upset that he had this artificial heart, which Q ends up remedying at the end and giving him a new heart. That was the deal. Was like if you can, or what did he say? He said if you can, if you can fix your regrets. Oh, this is interesting. I'm just thinking about this now. He says if you can fix your regrets, I'll save your life and give you a new heart. And what Picard ends up doing is. He does fix his regrets by coming to terms with them, right? Because he doesn't actually, because when he fixes his regrets, things don't work out. So what he ends yep. up doing is coming terms to his regrets, coming terms to, coming terms to with? with his regrets? With his yep. regrets. Yeah. Yeah. English, yep. English, English <laughs> is tough sometimes. So, but, but that's interesting that, that first of all, that they just focused on one of his regrets. And mm-hmm. obviously you have to do that like with time constraints and everything, but yep. they focus on one and then. Yeah, he comes to term.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right, Tim. I think um, the underlining message was that he, he came to terms with his regrets, um, which is a perfect segue into him, to, like I said earlier, opening up about something of his past, telling Riker a nice story. Like, you Him as a character, as a person, has now changed. Um Wow, yeah, that's that's deep. It's a good uh, yeah I hadn't observation.
2: Thought about that before, but that yeah, it's it's it is more. It's not just about like that. The events make you who you are. It's also about coming to terms with those events that you don't like that made you who you are. Mm-hmm. Another thing
0: I like that you just brought my mind to, which I've seen that episode. I don't know, fifteen times in my life, and I watched it again a couple days ago for to do to, to do this. And until you just mentioned it, I never and maybe it's one of those duh moments, but I never thought that Q brought him back to life. I thought Q just interrupted Beverly Crusher getting him back to life, you know, so that she, she, he interrupted it, making it think like, John Luke, you're going to die, I, I'm going to do this big favor kind of thing, when she all around was going to save him anyway. Until you mentioned that, I never thought of it that way at all, so uh, now I don't yeah. even know which way
2: it is. So well, I think know? I think if you keep in mind Q's character up to this point He's like he probably is on the level here. He's probably saving Picard's life. I I think if you look into maybe the Voyager episodes, maybe it's more he's more fun-loving, and maybe that is something he does. Maybe he does interrupt like an occasion where the person's going to be saved and manipulates them into thinking they might die. But for how his character was at this point in Next Gen, I feel like he was like giving Picard here a chance. Mm-hmm. to save his own life. Like he wants to see what Picard is made of. He's going to give Picard this chance to relive his life and his regrets and and see how Picard deals with it and then decide at the end of it, what should happen. It's like a, it's like a test for Picard. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, yeah. and um, Q is, is still playing God, but almost like a, a judge in a way. And like, if Picard, now Q's done this later on. He's like, if I, you know, if I like the outcome of how you guys behave, then I'll do this for you, right? But I'm going to test you
1: mm-hmm.
2: first. So I think, uh, I, I do think that, you know, Picard was on his way out. And I mean, they said it, like Beverly couldn't save him. She said, like, she's losing him. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to this white light. Like his heart, having it be an artificial heart, it was compromised by this blast. Mm-hmm. If he had had a normal heart, He wouldn't have been dying, Mm -hmm. but this artificial heart, something with the blast caused it to fail, which I guess is why this was his big regret, is that he got stabbed through the heart, giving him this artificial heart, which has now caused him to potentially die. If he had a normal heart still, he would survive this, but he's not going to because of these events of his past.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. People ask me why... I like Star Trek so much, and it's it's this. Mm-hmm. It's because episodes can have so many layers and so many meanings. And when you sit down like we're doing, and we really think and dissect it, like it just it's it's a it's beautiful. Yeah, it's meaningful. It's there's so much thought behind the writing in these episodes. And um, thirty years later, you know, it still holds weight. Yeah, and uh, people that are unsure about getting into Star Trek, uh, please give it a go. Like you'll, it's good for your soul.
0: Agreed. So I wonder if I could bring up that point that I was saying that was. Oh, you too haven't far brought that ahead. up yet? Hey. <laughs> you haven't
2: brought that up yet?
0: No, no. I, I feel like you missed,
2: you missed the, the no, time we, to slide we, we that jumped, in. We jumped
0: ahead too far. So the only confusing thing I found was uh, about the direction. So to me, the direction of the show was hey, I had this regret because I was too young and bashful. I got in a stupid fight, got stabbed in the heart, and that's why I'm basically dead now, right? And then he changes it, and uh, by taking less risks and uh and playing it safe and being more rash, rational about it all and that was the 180 degree mark in my point but what confuses me is his relationship with Marta okay so Marta looked like she was had a crush on him before he started having this uh um this advanced um Uh, way of looking at things right like being more cautious and that she she got I got the impression that she liked Jean-Luc uh well well before this and so they hook up and then before he even rejects his buddy like fully rejects his buddy where he pushes him over the table he and she are sitting at the table, and she's all weirded out by it, and like I think it ruined our friendship, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm thinking to myself, this does this doesn't coincide with the other side of it because Jean-Luc is is trying not to take risks, so he goes ahead and uh, takes a risk on this one by being with Marta, unless she's the safe bet that he he's not risking anything. You know what I mean? But uh, so and he gets rejected. So, um, I feel like it's at odds with the rest of the episode. He he took a risk with her, whereas he was trying not to take a risk on the other things, and he still paid the price for it because she didn't want anything to do with him after it anyway. Either that, or he's really bad and and bad. So, uh.
2: I don't know if she was the risk. I think she was more of like the safe bet. You
0: think she was the safe bet? That then that plays in line with what uh, the rest of the episode was.
2: Yeah, there was the moment in the bar where. He like young Picard meets up with that older woman. Do you remember that part yeah, yeah. where they the had slap like sp- or, the sp- or the water? Or the glass <laughs> yeah, the water, or, the water. Okay. But they had spent the previous night together. Okay, and then she, they meet at the bar again to have another mm-hmm. like rendezvous that night. But it's this new reserved Picard. So she throws water in his face because he's like. He's not interested. You're a handsome, woman. You're You're a handsome, handsome woman. woman, or whatever you know, the fuck. <laughs> uh, apparently, he says. women like that. Eh? Uh. She didn't like it, but um, he, so he was supposed to like in his previous timeline, he spends another night with her and doesn't have the chance to spend the night with Marta. Mm-hmm. So I think now with his more reserved person, now he spends the night with Marta, but that was never supposed to happen, mm-hmm. right? Because they're getting shipped out the next day. Um, Like if they have sex, it's just sex. Right. And what it does for Marta is she, you know, it ruins her feeling of their like tight friendship bond. Like she has a bit of a monologue about it, but she says like they had this great friendship. They could have just shipped off and still have been friends, but now they have sex. They have no time to figure any of that out they're still being shipped off the next day, but now things just feel awkward because Mm -hmm. they did that and they can't have any real closure to this, right? They can't have a relationship and it's damaged their friendship. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that um, answers any of your questions. It it does
0: on the surface of like, um, like the common sense surface of it all for the deeper surface. I still wonder if, uh, if it conflicts with the story. I, I, uh,
1: I, I agree. Like for someone who's, who's choosing not to take as many risks, that would be a big risk to take. So I, I see that conflict at the same time. I don't think that scene is even needed. I don't think it's not, I, I think as an audience, she like, she could have just sided with this guy that got thrown over the table by Picard. <laughs> right. And, and been like, you're a real a-hole, yeah. you know, and, and that would have been it. Like we didn't really need yeah. um, a love you're interest right.
0: in there. You're right. There was, they could have just been friends the whole way Yeah. because the, the outcome to, to me, I still feel like she was a risk that he took. And uh, because the outcome was opposite of of the non-risk, uh, they both turned out the same way, even though he took opposite points of view. She could have just been, yeah, you, you, I don't like the change in you kind of thing, just sided with the uh, the Corey there who gets thrown over the desk and that would have been it. And it wouldn't have changed the episode uh, yeah. Um, direction.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I don't think she was needed. I also don't think that she was a risk. Because okay. she threw herself at him. Right. It's not like he went out on a limb and was like, you know what? I'm gonna actually take a shot at Marta here because I think we might have a future together. She just because of the way he was behaving, she threw herself at him mm-hmm. and he was like, Yeah, I'll go. that's cool. You're so much younger than me. That's awesome. Let's <laughs> get it on. I mean, like but my granddaughter's age, but yeah, I don't I don't really see their being any sort of a risk there. He wasn't putting himself out there.
0: My risk wasn't about rejection. The risk I see is about them ruining the friendship. He never took that chance with her... Not because he's obviously not afraid of rejection. He he got in a fight with three Nosikans; it didn't phase him. Um, the the older okay, women right. that he's hitting on, so, like he was a player. So it wasn't a rejection. I think it was about hey, uh, uh it, it would be a risk to uh, hit on your your no, good, good so, friend. No, so here's
2: the thing, Terry, is that that night where they have sex, mm-hmm. Picard was supposed to be with that yep. other woman. Yeah, that woman. In, in the in the past, in his earlier days, he was with that other woman. He wasn't with Marta. Yeah. So this is a new thing that has happened because. He's this new, more reserved guy. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he knew what was even going to happen there. Right. This is just happening for the first time for him that he didn't go with this other woman. He's used to that night going Mm -hmm. and having sex with that other woman. Now he's decided not to. He finds himself in the same room with Marta and -hmm. she comes on to him. And he, so he doesn't know, he's not making any sort of rational decision. She just comes on to him and they, they have sex.
0: I guess I, I look back at the the conversation Q had with, uh, with, uh, Jean-Luc before the sex part where he says, Hey, I can't help but notice that she's an attractive woman. This was probably about 10 minutes earlier in the episode, uh, maybe a day before. And, uh, he's like, and he's like, you never tried for that. And he's like, well, with Marta, I never thought to, I never, uh, I, 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 it was more along the lines. There wasn't the right timing, or I never thought about it. Whatever it was, and so, yeah, he didn't have the the opportunity with the other woman. But I still feel like now it's in his mind because Q brought it up, um, rather than uh, uh, the the opening I, I, of I the know. schedule.
1: I like I like the fact that because he's he's the mature Picard, and he called this woman you know handsome woman, <laughs> which caused the water to get thrown in his face. Yeah, which co- caused Marta to see that. Essentially, it launched a whole new timeline of events. That yes. I think you're right, Tim. I think they were controlled by Marta. I think it that, launched a new Marta, I, and and she made a lot of those actions happen. And True. Picard just kind of like you know went with
0: went with it, I guess. But, but yeah. Picard has never been like the Jean Luc Picard of the eight, older Jean Luc Picard. He's had opportunities at romance several times throughout the show, and most of the times he he kind of avoids them. Like most of the time, outside of an episode where he he learned or he's playing the flute. While the girl was playing the guitar, yeah, or whatever, or Sorry. the keyboard, the keyboard. Yeah, Jay enjoyed that I, visual. I, I, I guess. I'm just, I'm just I, picturing I him like with a shirt open. Yeah. Just, I don't know, just. Uh, but that—that's the one from that really interesting episode where he—he he lives a whole lifetime in, uh, uh, trapped in his mind because yeah. of yeah. that pod or whatever it was. Mm. But he ends up with the the instrument, so he plays that instrument while she plays the keyboard in like a Jeffrey's tube somewhere. So most of the time, other than that episode he he avoids romances so the fact that he has a romance with marta isn't him just uh, uh, taking an opportunity because most of the time he avoided those opportunities. I think it has to do with him trying to take a chance because Q brought it up to him and said, hey, you never did take this chance. And uh, But what, whatever the case is, the, the episode could have done without that that romance being added to it, I believe. I agree. Um, it, 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 it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the episode because no. she still would have sided against Jean-Luc after he threw the friend over the table. She, and, she
2: doesn't have any part in the outcome here she no. it's, it's it's the nausikins and it's this cory yep. guy yeah that's what's important maybe jean Luc realized like okay q said the timeline is not going to be affected at all it's <laughs> horny, go horny it. old picard is like let's just go <laughs> for it let's just do it nothing is going to be affected here here's my shot i'm gonna do it mm-hmm. i think we all would
1: Let's be let, let's agree on that.
2: He's yeah. a wise leader. Right? He's the
0: captain of a starship. Yeah, yeah. it's good to be the captain. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's good to be the captain.
0: Uh, either way, it's a great episode. It's it's a yeah. great
2: episode. Um guys, really appreciate you joining. Um it's always a lot of fun when we get together. So uh thanks for that. Jay, do you want to um plug your uh, tiktok at all or your instagram you i'm a big fan of your (laughs) tiktok
1: that was unexpected uh sure yeah i am on the tiktok train now uh i do a lot of sketch comedy Uh, i think that's becoming my niche um it's uh jason x what is it jason x talk jason x t-o-k so that's my, uh, my my
2: handle on there yeah Go check me out check it out everybody i love it it's a lot of fun um one of my more favorite tiktoks <laughs> although i only see it on instagram because i'm not on tiktok but I, you post to instagram as well i do so. share it
1: to my instagram reels yes yeah so. so
2: check them out guys thanks again for joining and thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time
1: I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every
2: week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello! And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies... And argue about where they belong on our list... And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal Mm. is a joke. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. We wanted to let you know, if you'd like to show your support for Talking Back, then please check out our Patreon page, where you can join one of our membership tiers and unlock bonus episodes and more each and every month. Or you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com talkingback talking back, where you can make a one-time donation of any amount. Or feel free to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. All three options are great ways to show your support for the show. That's it. We're done.